Okay, my name is Lizzie Clark. <laughs> and I feel aggravated <laughs> by imposter syndrome. And I could go off on that, but I guess you asked for one word, so that's, that's it. it. That's it. We only have time for one word. <laughs> exactly. Can I monologue a little bit on it? No? Yeah. Okay. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got these forces that they try to hide away. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me on this episode number seven of the Imposter Syndrome podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. I'm also really excited to have the guest on today that we have on uh, today. Uh, my guest today is a singer, a songwriter, vocal coach, performance coach, incredible human being, super intelligent. Lizzie Clark is on the show today. I'm really excited to talk to her. Um, yeah, actually, I've already talked to her and I know how the conversation went and it was fantastic. It was hilarious. It was informative. It was, you're in for a treat today, for sure. So at episode number seven, how am I feeling about imposter syndrome? How do I feel about imposter syndrome? Well, this intro for today had to be recorded a little bit later uh, into the future, I guess. So technically, I've already done 10 episodes at this point in time, but this is episode number seven, obviously. Uh, and how do I feel at this moment? It's an interesting thing of where I feel at this moment in time. So I've talked about it a ton of how I was worried that no one would be on and then no one would listen. And then now I have to be the best podcast. Now I'm having this moment where I am afraid to just put it out in general. Now, now I've just, I've, I've completely like reverted back and I find that I'm kind of hesitating a little bit to get all the edits done. I wanted to finish the first 10 episodes, uh, have them edited. So I had plenty of, uh, material to put out first. So I have basically a backlog. Uh, as I get more interviews going and 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 get those done, uh, I have a backlog to support me in that time, and I'm hesitating on it a little, little bit. It's it's getting close to the point where it's going to be posted. So what I've done to challenge myself is I've set myself kind of a a date, like beginning of July, the first episode gets posted, even though I'm really nervous about posting it. I think without hard deadlines like that, you kind of just get stuck in this loop of, well, I'm going to post it eventually. And then you, you never do. And you constantly are pushing back the work that you have to do to get it done, to get it out there. When you put a hard deadline on something, even though that deadline has no ramifications, if I don't meet it, it doesn't matter. There's no one waiting for this really. Uh, but I'm putting that hard deadline on myself just to be like, listen, get it done, get it out there. Who cares how it does? 
But the funny thing is, is I'm listening back to the episodes and I've really enjoyed listening to them. I, I edited them on all and everything like that, which is which is one thing. But then I take a listen back to them and really just actually just, you know, leisurely listen and enjoy it. <laughs> and odd to say, I really am enjoying listening back to them. Um, I think everyone is is in for a treat of how these are going to sound. Uh, and hopefully everyone also receives them the same way and then thinks that they're great. So that's my take on imposter syndrome today. Set myself some hard deadlines and kind of force my hand to put it out there even though I don't want to. This forces me to get the edits done. This forces me to really dedicate myself to push to, to get this thing move forward because that's what needs to happen. This needs to move forward and it needs to get put out there. Um, and without, I don't know if this is for everybody, but for me, without that little bit of that pressure on me, I just don't, I don't feel the need to put it out. So I kind of have to put that pressure on myself nicely. I'm not, not going to put so much pressure and be like, if you can't put it out by July 1st, then give it up, burn your laptop, nothing like that. Uh, but that's kind of just kind of forced my hand just a little bit delicately to, to convince myself to push myself out there. So that's how I feel. And that's what I'm doing. You know what else I'm doing? I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to get to our guest today. As I said, our guest today is the wonderful, fantastic Lizzie Clark. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. There's Okay, there's so many reasons why I've started this podcast. Uh, because yeah. everyone's answer to their problems is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had that thought the other day and I was just like, I want to start a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I might. When I thought <laughs> about it, I was like, okay, there's so many problems with this. Everyone has mm -hmm. one. Who's going to listen to it and who's going to be on it. And I realized what ended up happening is I started to spiral with my, just this imposter syndrome concept. And yeah. I found when, uh, uh, to go slightly dark last, like two years ago, when we lost the twins, everything mm -hmm. traumatic was hard. It's been hard to like pull myself back in. Yeah. So when I thought of this podcast and thought who would want to be on it first, that was my biggest worry. I started yep. messaging everybody and 14 people were like, yeah, I'll come on it. Of course. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's so such then, a universal experience. Like we're all just like, yes, I have many things to say on this topic. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the other reason why I wanted to start this thing is because I, we can all feel like we struggle with this solo like that we're the only ones we're faking it while everyone else is making it um <laughs> yeah and it, i found if i surround myself with like-minded people who struggle with the same thing and we talk about it it helps my brain realize like oh this is just the, the imposter is the imposter syndrome yeah absolutely it's it's i think we've for me particularly especially after covid after the pandemic it's been so hard to get back up into that mindset of forward momentum, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you. Like, like you've been through so much the last few years on top of everything mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, everybody <laughs> in the world has experienced over the last little while. Sure. And uh, some people I have like, it's, it's interesting because it's going to be different strokes for different folks. And I've definitely noticed some people have like they dive back in and there was that party mentality, like everything's back. It was a little bit of a slow, build <laughs> back yep. up to it but like for me and for a lot of my friends especially particularly i mean maybe it's just the the crowds i hang out with but creative people have had a harder time like 
diving back in head first. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird adventure to try to get uh, moving forward. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's the fact of kind of being stagnant for two years. Uh, if if you didn't keep the creative juices flowing, trying to get back into that is a hard like thing to swing. Yeah. Um, along with the fact that it's like, okay, you haven't been on a stage or you haven't been performing for two years. So then yep. nerves become a big problem again. And there's, there's so many in that, uh, when it comes to imposter syndrome, can you recall mm-hmm. a time when you first recognized it? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the memory that's coming back to me and I, couldn't tell you exactly why this is the one I'm sure there's others but like it's I remember I did battle the bands in high school this is oh, like yeah. this is Lovely. a throwback yeah the throwback and I remember this woman who I didn't know came up to me and and was gave me some compliments and they were very nice and they were like a little woo woo which I loved <laughs> you know they were just like yes. you're a shining star and a beacon of that and I was just like that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me and you're full of shit, but I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like that was my response. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. to all lies, but I love you. <laughs> and it, It's the strangest thing that when we get compliments, we immediately think, oh, you're just trying to make me feel better. When yeah. one of the things that I've told in this podcast a couple of times is I remember playing a gig and uh, these after the gig was over, these two, three people, whatever, came up to me mm-hmm. and said, oh, my gosh, you were so good. I loved your music. How I've never seen you before. I'm like, oh, I've played here for probably four or five years. That's impossible. We've been to every show. I've seen them eight different times. It's just those eight different times, I sucked. <laughs> so by the time I actually was pretty good, all of a sudden they remembered. And that's when I started to realize I'm like, oh, I've played shows where I'm terrible and nobody comes up to say anything. Yeah. But when I do well, they're like, oh, that's a great job. And then still I go like, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get ourselves into habits, you know, like of or expectations of ourselves to like, I think in terms of having that positive reinforcement, like mm. that, that's, I think a big, a big part of um, avoiding feelings of, you know, imposterism or like anxiety to have that that feedback. And I think other industries have trajectories where there are like systems in place. Sure. Yeah. To either give positive or negative feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you are going to law school, you get a, you know, you get the degree, but there are also like awards along the way. And there are yeah. like jobs you can get and like you know, pats on the back from people or whatever, but in a creative field, you don't have that structure and there aren't going to be those systems. So we rely on audience feedback, Mm -hmm. which is, which is, can be rough. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, uh, I've said before, the problem with audience feedback is if I start getting compliments, you'll find me behind an alleyway looking for more compliments. (laughs) Like it's just, (laughs) I just become an addict. Yeah, I just become an addict and I just can't help. And I, I have to then remind myself, it's like, oh, it's not it's not about their validation. It's about my own validation. I have to try to within myself, which is, which is so easy to do. So, one of the easiest. Yeah, yeah. The, the least thing I've struggled with. I saw, uh, and I, I, I couldn't tell you where to find this. This is just a TikTok-y little scroll moment. But mm-hmm. I saw Janelle Monae talking about... Uh, I don't know if she was specifically talking about um, like imposter syndrome, but she was talking about that idea of 
your sense of self being the most important thing that mm. you can have and like other people's opinions of you um other people what people have to say about you whether they're good or bad exist externally to that and yeah. we're going to exist either way and so that, that 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 voice the most important voice is your own like there's nobody externally who knows you as well as you do mm -hmm. so if you can kind of like i mean and again easiest thing in the world but if you can create a relationship with that voice <laughs> that's yeah so that's that's my struggle it's the fact that that voice knows who i am and don't like it <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the that's the rough part right like having that like cultivating that kindness within yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have a, a a theory about confident people <laughs> <laughs> they have that relationship with themselves where they can see doubt um, and use it as an editing tool as yeah. opposed to something that's going to be oppressive and yeah. pushing that 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 narrative of um you know you're this you're that you're x you're something like negative mm -hmm. in that way but if you can like because everybody's going to experience doubt sure you it, know it's like a natural thing yeah, everybody's got that doubt, but if you can kind of like have that internal relationship where you see that doubt and say like, you're there for a reason, what is that reason? What can I alter in the way that I'm going through life and do it in a way that is, you know, a kind mm -hmm. to myself, mm -hmm. the way you might with a student, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Right? I'm sure you're very good at saying like, hey, that was beautiful. Here are some things that we're maybe going to focus on and work towards and here are the tools that you can use to become more proficient yeah. or, or more confident in those areas but if you can have that conversation with yourself use doubt as an editing tool as opposed to that oppressive system try to treat Again. yourself almost as if you're as if you are the student that you're talking to in a sense exactly exactly yeah, yeah. but that, again that's... easiest thing in the world but <laughs> yeah i know i know um it, it's it's funny uh, for like, I laugh about it for me, uh, even though it's probably a sign of therapy required. Um, but every time a student, you know, after a number of lessons, whatever, and they're like, this is wonderful. I've, I've accomplished this, whatever. I'm so grateful. So thank you. Thank you very much. After I just said to them, I'm so proud of you. Look at everything you've achieved. Look, we got this great. And they're like, oh, thank you also to you as well. And I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable right now that you're complimenting <laughs> me. <laughs> I can give it to them, but as soon as I get it, I'm like, thank you so much. I know, I know. You have to practice it. You have to practice getting compliments and actually internalizing them as like truth. Cause like people are stingy with compliments. That's a thing we have to remember. Like, mm -hmm. People don't give comp compliments just to like make you feel good. You know what I mean? No. Often, sometimes people do, of course. Sure, sure. It but depends like, on how close they are to you. Cause they, if they have yeah. a close personal relationship to you, that's one thing. But yeah. if it's a random person, I find the thing when the old saying of uh, nobody thinks about you as much as you think they do kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where it's that thing where I, you know, I, I've felt it myself where I'll be watching someone perform and it, whatever, it's not going well, they're new, whatever. And I don't think to myself, oh, no. And then for the next 20 years, think, what a terrible. <laughs> I don't do that. I look at no. the moment and go, oh, that's not going well. Anyways, you want to get some French fries or something? And then just yeah. I've immediately forgotten about it. The next band goes up, they're great. I'm like, oh, that's great. I've yeah. completely forgotten about that whole situation. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I think very comforting to think about that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, people, I, aren't, people aren't memorizing these, like, random facts about you and, like, the, 
blips that you might have on stage or wherever no no like if you do something crazy like it doesn't go and you start swinging the microphone at the audience that's a problem <laughs> they'll remember that but <laughs> other than that like if if you just let it go and you just go off stage yeah. whatever it it's a whiteboard for everybody yeah. else at that point absolutely absolutely so like when you do do a when you do have a performance or like do mm. a thing whatever that thing is mm. and you do get a compliment from a stranger or a colleague you, like i think like learning how to take that as truth and saying thank you yes yeah that's yeah you're absolutely right that was great thank you <laughs> yeah i i wish i had the confidence of an athlete like i know not not to the not to the so end that i think i'm like the best in existence but just to you know you'll see them mess up a play and then they'll just uh, move on to the next one i wish i had that kind of confidence yeah I know I you know and it, I think it's as teachers again we're probably much better at doing this for other people than for ourselves but yeah one of the things I instill early on in each of my students is that like you are going to make lots of mistakes we've talked about this before oh, you yeah. and I oh, yeah. like you're going to make lots of mistakes and that is a good thing yes right and if you are not willing to make mistakes I really want you to rethink <laughs> doing this in the first place <laughs> yeah it's it's allowing yourself to you know make mistakes and get messy the whole miss frizzle thing from yeah right it's that whole thing and for those people that are constantly afraid of it but are willing to take it on challenge mm -hmm. it change it whatever that's great for the people who take it on and then challenge you that's a whole different thing that's where i'm like okay you know we have to rethink this aspect of what you're doing here yeah uh, my my theory of this whole thing when you're like we have to practice this ourselves that i've thought about is we do but as teachers we practice it to the other person because we're constantly being like great job good job that was a good take that was this we that's all we say yeah so we're yeah. constantly practicing that to someone else <laughs> <laughs> but if we yeah, did that yeah. same flip to that. us yeah flip that. you just gotta flip that around you just gotta put yourself on the other side of the keyboard <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> just change the zoom screen so you're right? you're bigger right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's true uh but just a, a shift in perspective i got really good advice a little while ago that i use still before i click um at like before i click to let the person enter into the zoom room i look at myself <laughs> and i like take a breath and i just go <sighs> so glad you're here <laughs> It's a little embarrassing. I don't say it out loud, but I'm just like, you got this, like something yeah. positive, you know? I, I do it all. I, I look <laughs> at myself and I give myself a, a, a funny face or like a, here we go. Yep. Uh, we're going to do this and, and whatever else. And just off I go something just to make me like chuckle just the tiniest little bit. Yep. And then in I go, cause then I'm going in with that kind of like more positive, more fun kind of attitude. Um, mm -hmm. Because sometimes I can find that where everyone else might be at like a neutral at a zero for mm -hmm. happiness. I find that I start at like a minus two or three and I have to like <laughs> bring myself to that zero. Yeah. Uh, so making myself laugh in that sense kind of does that. Uh, yeah. Bridging that gap. Yeah. And that's that's easier to do certain days than others. Of course. Um, always. Something interesting that was brought up to me recently mm -hmm. that I, I was excited to talk to you about because I feel like yes. this might be something you have quite a lot uh, uh, of information on. Uh, there's a mentor that I'm going to have on later in the summer, mm -hmm. and she sent me these articles about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that the people who termed it, 
Mm-hmm. They want to actually change. They don't believe imposter syndrome is a thing anymore. They want to change Ooh. that to mm-hmm. a to imposter phenomenon. Yes, and I I understand that. Yeah, you've seen that, right? And they talk about the fact that imposter syndrome is more suffered from women and BIPOC women because mm-hmm. the system itself is set up to be white male dominated. Mm-hmm. That when you get in there, you're either challenged so much you feel like you have to constantly fight, mm-hmm. right? I'm currently explaining the reason why and you you're well aware of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like that aspect of it. And I thought that was so interesting. I'm, I, I didn't like, I knew about that, but I, I didn't think about that being termed to imposter syndrome concepts. It, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I was reading an article about, you know, when you, when you sent me that, I did do, I, I may have uh, did a little googly googs just <laughs> to like do a little bit of research and like get a sense of like, you know, what other people are experiencing, how it's defined. Mm-hmm. There was one article that popped up. I want to say it was like Harvard something, something. I can't remember where it was. I'll look it up and you know, like get the receipts. Um, but it was talking about how, yeah, the word syndrome in a way um, is it's twofold. First, it's pathologizing yes. um, anxiety, which yes. I mean, like anxiety, um, it, like that can be a real, real syndrome for people yes you know but their anxiety is also a feeling that yeah. everybody experiences and and to pathologize that yeah it's it you know there's pluses and minuses to that because it is a universal thing and it's good mm-hmm. to get on board and for all of us to understand you're not the only one but then also to say like you know like i don't need to like you know just to acknowledge it sometimes yes yeah. is what we want and and the thing with, not with that it with that concept is that uh, um the articles that i read said the same thing it pathologizes it so it really it really puts it on the individual and mm-hmm. makes it seem like this is your fault and yeah. instead of it actually being a concept of like nope this is society's fault yeah that's it like it is actually a real thing like it's not even like there's no impostering happening like there for especially like you said for like people of color for women of color in particular mm-hmm. Like it's not like that is their experience. They yeah. are being kind of like held at that that level. The, the microaggressions, the experiences that they have, the lack of resources or mm-hmm. the lack of community mm-hmm. at higher levels in whatever industry that they are working within. Yeah, um, all of those things contribute to an actual experience of othering. I, I had a moment that happened uh, um, a few a few like a number of years ago uh probably three or four years into teaching where in the beginning uh so when i started out teaching the thing Mm -hmm. for me is that like uh the four of you or the three of you love the three of you you were fantastic you were nothing but sweet and kind i was terrified of all three of you when i first got there (laughs) because i'm looking at it being like okay two of these people have an education in this one of these people has like a Juno credit, and I have just been sweaty on crowds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're making me laugh. Uh, that aspect of just that, right? So I was nervous about it at first. So when I started taking on all these students, and then started mm-hmm. taking on more and more and more and more, and all of a sudden I'm like 72 deep, and I'm like, yep. oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, I looked at that as reps. I looked at that. I'm just getting reps in. I'm just, I'm just learning this process of teaching. Yeah. But three or four years in, somebody was doing something with with R and B. And I suddenly just sat there thinking to myself, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this should go to Joanna or Navon. Like, this shouldn't be like, yeah. I'm trying to do this thing. And I'm taking this opportunity away from that individual student 
and those two as well that realistically they're going to be way better with than I yeah. am. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I was like, you know what? Today, we're going to move you in this direction because I think that's the net, your technique, you're down. Yeah. That's the next bit. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was an interesting moment that I had, that I had, cause it was right around the Black Lives Matters movement. And that's when I suddenly mm -hmm. realized I'm like, I'm trying to be a part of a community that I'm not part of. Yeah, absolutely. I I've definitely experienced, I mean, like I ran a Motown band for 10 years. <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> yep. Yep. We've, uh, we've all been there. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's so true. And also just to, just to acknowledge and recognize your own strengths in terms of as teachers, you know, what we can give to our students and, and even to say like, okay, like I know this person, like I do get students who, you know, maybe simply they don't want to learn online. So I will yeah. give them references to other teachers who teach in person. Like sure. I would rather you have the experience you want. Or if I get somebody saying like, oh, I want to learn this classical aria, I'd be like, I can fake that, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but I'm not going to, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pass you off to somebody who can do that authentically for you. Yeah. Or if, you know, uh, you know, somebody wanted to rap, I was just like, hey, I'm going to let me find some names. Yeah. <laughs> let me, me forward you me on. Moment. Yeah. It is yeah. not my area of expertise. Yeah, I've had a few rappers in my in my days and I'm like, yeah, that's that's not my expertise. I got to send you in that direction and 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 mm -hmm. that for sure. Uh and that's that's an interesting thing as a as a teacher is is understanding, I don't know how it was for you when you first started teaching, but like I said, I started mm -hmm. taking on everything to almost prove that I deserved to be there and try to get in the 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 steps of just doing it whatever else. And then suddenly later on realizing you have a specialty, you have a strength, what is the thing that you do best? Maybe yeah. it's not trying to figure out their artistry or their character, maybe the thing that you do best is technique. And I know Absolutely. for me, that's one I know for you, that's also one. What yep. What was that moment when you had that like, click moment where you're like, Oh, this is more my direction? Or did you always know that? No, I did. I certainly didn't always know that it took so many years. I mean, when I think back to the beginning uh, of teaching, you know, I, you know, when I really started, you know, that was at a, you know, but way before I met you mm -hmm. at a, you know, a, one of those little schools and the beaches uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, you just have the little ones, the little kids learning, you know, beginner piano and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. that I even there, I certainly felt in, like, <laughs> somewhat of an imposter. You know, I was just like, I don't really play piano all that well. I learned <laughs> piano on the job for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. When, okay. So here, here's the dirty little secret. I don't know if I uh -huh. told you this. So when I got hired, uh, at the school, mm -hmm. our boss at the time yep. had said, uh, you know, I'd like to see how you play scales. Can you play a long scale? And I went, yeah, <laughs> you bet. Can I see a reference to that? And he's like, well, all the scales are online. They just learned no problem. I went online and I spent 48 hours just hammering them trying to figure them out still couldn't quite figure it out so what i did was i just went bum record bum record bum, and i just did that the whole way and then lined them up and sent it to him I'm like here you go and he's like oh yeah you, you play great <laughs> bet that's so funny <laughs> and then i just took a number of weeks to like okay now i have to try to get this figured out and yep you know i I did something very, very simple. Not, not quite that, <laughs> but I do remember that, that, that same conversation, uh, and just being like, oh yeah, I totally have this and then going home. And like, I didn't even have a, 
like I had all my stuff in storage at that particular time. I didn't even yeah. have my piano. And I had this tiny little thing where I was like, do, 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 do. And I just like skipped C sharp. I skipped F sharp. I just all like the, skipped. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all I was like, I can do this in C and G. Everybody will just sing in C and G. And then, so that was, I mean, that was a big learning curve, but like, you know, like you experienced it too. It didn't take long to pick up. Like, no, it, it was relatively, especially for the amount of students I had off the bat. Mm -hmm. I know getting hired there, the one thing he talked about was he's like, we'll do part-time, not very many students. I think the one great thing about having a lot was just, you got those steps in a ton mm -hmm. every single day. And just the, the, the muscle memory for my hands was yep. pretty quick. I, absolutely and the thing too is like again that was that was probably a little imposter moment like that gave me so much yes. anxiety but like that was i think it took a week or two honestly to feel really comfortable with it that was just a it was just a thing i didn't do often so it was yeah. uncomfortable you know and, and this was this is what's kind of through this podcast has brought me on to the theory of the aspect of fake it till you make it is not actually faking it it's learning until you make it yeah is what that's it, is. it. That's building you, your experience <laughs> yeah you look at everybody else and you're like oh they're learning and they're getting better and they're gonna make it great and then you look at yourself you're like no i'm totally faking it i don't know what i'm doing at all whatsoever when they're just doing the same thing <laughs> exactly no i i think you're totally right there I, like it's it that whole learning curve that's a thing i find it my students struggle with that too if i'm being honest like mm. i i think the the learning experience is uncomfortable yeah. And we don't, we don't, we don't title it. We don't label it well in our society. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we call it, you know, faking it or stumbling through or whatever, yeah. but like what it is, is learning. That's and that's, it. that's our whole game. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. And I think those terms, as you said, stumbling, fumbling, uh, bumbling, whatever, whatever rhyming word goes with that. <laughs> all the umblings. <laughs> all the umblings <laughs> that go with it. And it's like, we, we coin those terms as if they're negative terms. Mm -hmm. right so if we found some other fluffy term that was more positive to put in front of it uh i'm going with learning at the moment until i think of yeah something that, that feels right that feels that, right that feels right in that moment yeah uh, in the moments you have now so teaching had its learning experience coming up obviously of course this is something that's with us forever we're always going to experience this i don't know mm -hmm. I, I i don't know if i've ever talked about this are you a gamer no okay. no i'm not uh partner a gamer no, no, okay. neither. No, no gamers, no gamers. There's a game called Celeste. that's very good. But the, uh -huh. the whole concept is like this part of you is always going to be part of you. I think what we try to do is we try to get rid of it when in the end that's impossible. So we just yeah. run all the time where we have to embrace it. Right. Uh, as we start to experience this all throughout our time, can mm -hmm. you think of a moment most recently? where this mm. has really kind of come up for you. I know like starting a school for the first time on your own is its own, you know, existential crisis of, of itself. Yep. What what has been in that ballpark for you recently? Oh man, <laughs> honestly, it's still a, it's a day-to-day -day thing to be honest. I mean, cause I work by myself. Well here, okay, I have a good example. This was Ooh. very recent. Um, so, I mean, everything I'm framing everything in, 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 you know, terms of being a teacher, because obviously that's my experience, but you know, mm. um, in the vocal pedagogy community, I'm yes. sure you're aware there are kind of two, two universes. Yes. One is the very academic universe where everybody's got a master's 
Oh God, yes. <laughs> and PhD and everybody's a doctor and we've got, you know, masters of, um, you know, pedagogy and, and mm -hmm. w whatever else. Um, mm -hmm. And then you've got kind of like the us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, with people who have performance experience and exactly. people who, and this tends to be, and I don't think this is exactly um, accurate, but it tends to be separated between modern or contemporary technique sure. in the sort of in the uh, us mm -hmm. universe, mm -hmm. and then more classical in the academic. In the academic universe. Version. More classically focused. Yeah. Um, and I've been slowly trying to just get a little bit more familiar with the other universe. Mm -hmm. Not like just because it's, again, it's a structured system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, I think that that is yes. a good, I find it such a shame that there's not more of a crossover between these two worlds. And I definitely have felt going into that world like a bit of an imposter. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I did a master class mm -hmm. with uh, 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 Melanie Tapson. Oh my God, me too. I did that too. Okay. So I don't so know. So you... wonderful. I don't know how you felt going into that, but I went into that being like, okay, this is going to be great. She talked it up and this is going to be cool. I'll learn all the gaps. I feel like I don't have, especially after experiencing the trauma. I, you, you have this moment where you're just fog. Yeah. So I, I lost course. all this information. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get this back by going to that one. First day they started talking. I was like, oh <laughs> no, they're all doctors here. And I don't understand I a thing. And <laughs> including the first day. And mm -hmm. I, I said this to Melanie afterwards. But she had said, she's like, okay, so we're looking at this thing. Everybody knows what this thing is, right? And then here we go. And I'm like, I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> and I didn't say anything for like 10 minutes. And at the end, she's like, everybody get it? I'm like, do you remember when you said, do you know what the thing is? I didn't know what the thing is. <laughs> I don't know what you just said for the last 10 minutes. You rewind. I, like, I think there's such a beautiful crossover between um, voice work, um, musical voice work and speech yeah. and language pathology. And that was what that course was really kind of trying to get at. Yes. Uh, and yes, a lot of it went over my head, <laughs> but it was cool to see how integrated these things can be and how there mm. is room for more, um, partnership, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And inclusion on both sides too, right? Like we have to let each other become part of our communities. And I think that's what yeah. actually Melanie is doing such a wonderful job at. Yes. She's bridging not gate those two worlds. She's not gatekeeping everything. She's looking at it being exactly. like, listen, these people have something to offer. Vocal coaches and vocal coaches have something to offer to you as well. Yeah. And I think, I think in the end, kind of more, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like for voice coaches, we may be intimidated by, by ENTs or anything like that. Absolutely. But like, if we can get their help, we'll get their help. And then an ENT looks at us and goes, meh, like yep. we, I, I'm sure we don't need this. But what I did find from that masterclass is a bunch of them had said, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't sing at all. So when yeah. I get a singer come in, there's things that they describe that I don't know what that is whatsoever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I found that very interesting. I had a whole conversation with the with the group because like, you know, when we when we teach, registration and like range and stuff is such a big part of what we talk about in our day-to-day -day mm -hmm. with our students not the only thing for sure yeah. but like a big aspect of what we do and in terms of the speech and language pathology perspective they were just like there's no such thing <laughs> i was like no <laughs> everything i knew <laughs> and they're kind of right which uh, that's a whole that's mm -hmm. a whole nother podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
yeah i i took another one last year it's this one right here there's uh yeah. uh one of the other mentors that's maddie tarbox she has a, uh, a voice function 101 so <gasps> i've seen that go by i have yes. amazing she's another one bridging the gap very well yeah. and she has uh this whole thing making anatomy make sense for the singer for voice coaches specifically i took mm -hmm. that course and by the end of it i was like oh my god everything i didn't understand in melanie's everything i didn't understand before mm -hmm. all then came together as one amazing like, it took those two classes to be like here's all the information in my brain going i can't compute this then the other person being like let's make sense of where to put all that absolutely and then i was like okay this is fantastic so it's really good to see the people putting in that work to bridge that it's really amazing. I, I like um, another person doing that is Shannon Coates, who, who I can't remember. She she does a like a like vocal anatomy 101 as well. Mm. And that I think was the first one that I took. I honestly just saw her scrolling through Facebook one day and I just clicked it and like purchased it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like I need this. But I think like the, the, the what all of these pedagogues what all these women have in common these who are trying to bridge these gaps is that they're welcoming on both sides and yes. that is that that's refreshing because it's not it's not the experience i've had trying to to be to have a little bit of a foot in both mm -hmm. worlds like i do feel like there's a lot of judgment there's there is a lot of um you know looking down of the nose yes. sometimes yes. <laughs> I, all of that sort of stuff um have you heard of the organization PAVA, the Pan American Vocology Association? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vocology is is actually another one that I think has the potential to really bridge that gap. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's what I what I have been really diving into a ton over the last few years is, is vocology mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, they have that um, accredited vocologist um, mm -hmm. certification now, uh, and all it is it's just a acknowledgement that you have learned what you know, they have to teach. It's not like yeah. a degree or anything like that. It's not a certification to like, go be a voice therapist. No. <laughs> um, it's you, you have been told information and took it. in. It, yeah, exactly. And here is, and you passed a test that we, we gave you. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think to a certain extent, there is still that um, culture of, um, you know, it's very academic. I don't think they do it on purpose. I just think it's the kind of people they attract people sure. with masters, people with PhDs, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also very classical still. <laughs> right. So I like, again, trying yeah. to get up in there and saying like, okay, we have all of these other singers. Yeah. We have this whole other world of people who aren't getting the training that they deserve or that they're yes. asking for yes. um, because we don't have a systematized way of, of, of distilling that information. One of the very early on vocal coaches that, that woke that up to me mm -hmm. was Melissa Cross. Absolutely. Yeah, it was that because came from a classical background, classically trained, saw all these screamers not doing things properly and went, Nope, someone's got to save them because everyone else is telling them I'm not working with you, you're destroying yourself. Just changed how she does everything bridged yep. that gap and is just has done has done so much legwork for yep. for my genre community, like just yep. incredible. I think that, that that it's that a, to be one of those people trying to bridge that world for me just to to circle it back around that yeah. has been a source of that that feeling of imposterism like 
just being like, hello, <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in that masterclass with uh, Melanie, there was lots. Of, Does anybody have anybody see this? Can they tell what this is? And everyone had their thoughts. And I just was muted the entire time. Yes, because I I did not. There was one student that I had that I was like, can I just bounce off of just a student's audio off of you guys? I've already got mm -hmm. their permission. And I put it, I gave it to them to listen to, and Melanie played it. <laughs> and I was like, I've been working with this guy for a year and just nothing's working. Mm -hmm. And then every one of them went, that's a sulcus. And I went, what, what in the hell is a sulcus? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And they're like, well, that's why it's taking you forever. Like, this is an actual problem. And I think uh, that's uh. why it's so important mm -hmm. to bridge that gap between the two, because I've been mm -hmm. currently for a year trying to teach a person who has a bow constantly in their vocal fold and yep. can't close it without that bridge gap, without that acceptance from that community. It's, it's made me not push that in that direction because of just intimidation or ask questions because of intimidation. Absolutely. Because you feel like you should be able to, with the information you have and the resources you have, Oh, I should be able to fix this problem. Yeah. And I, if I can't, I'm must be failing when really, yeah. We just need to build a better community of all these different people who have different special specialties. That's literally what I thought to myself. I'm like, well, I guess I'm terrible and the worst coach ever because I can't figure it out. But when I did bring it to them, then they said, it's probably this. What have you tried? And I told them everything I've tried. They're like, yep, it's probably that. Send them into an E&T. He went to one, came back a week later. He's like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> that's what I have. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, and that's that's where... I think bridging that that uh, gap is really important. Yeah. Uh, bringing this all, all into circle. Yes. We talked a ton about like where where you felt it first, where you feel it mm -hmm. recently, uh, and kind of all the things that you do to combat it. Mm hmm. At the end of this, how do you feel about it at this moment? I feel you know better than I've ever felt about it, and I do think that it is. Um, it's the thing that comes for me, at least with just aging, <laughs> becoming a little bit more mature, like getting, getting a better sense of myself, not because of my career, particularly mm -hmm. not because of music, particularly, but be just that perspective, the time gives yeah. you. Yeah, like, and I, I, I do, I like all of the things that I feel like I've learned through just being on the planet for as many years as I have. I want to just shake some of my younger students and just be like, you're amazing. <laughs> but you know, they might just need that time too. I, I think so. Cause I've seen it with, with artists where they'll come in and say like, you know, my overall goal is I want to make it, which mm -hmm. is a whole conversation in itself. Yes. Uh, and then they say, how long is that going to take? And I say 10 years minimum. And they went, Oh, I'm, I thought months. And I was like, not a chance. <laughs> yeah, and it, it takes those years of, of knowledge and recognizing to then like one student just said this to me the other day, six years been singing and only yeah. now is just starting to find themselves as an artist. Yeah. It's yeah. taken that long to build that. No, it, it takes time. And also one thing that has helped me, and I don't know if this helps anybody else, but it's just like my, you know, uh, experience with, you know, feeling like an imposter is often stemmed from this, like I've um, always felt like a child looking at adults doing their <laughs> thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yes. <laughs> when yeah. I'm just like, they're the ones who have the information and the knowledge yes. and the experience. But again, as you get older and you get into that 
sort of world a little bit or even just mm-hmm. start to acknowledge yourself as an adult took a little while i'm waiting for it still. <laughs> waiting for that to kick in but you do realize that everybody else is just as doubtful you mm-hmm. know whether that's manifesting as anxiety or whether it's manifesting as imposter syndrome or whether that's manifesting as that doubt that can be kind of like used as an editor like we talked about before like you know everybody experiences that and a lot of the time the people you think you think they have their stuff together yes you, you have this this opinion of them that they know what they're doing a lot of the time they don't <laughs> yeah yeah and a lot of times they're just constant crisis in their brain yeah uh, uh and it's it what well, it's what makes them put up that front it what makes them seem like they're two steps ahead in the chess match and everything yeah because it's just anxiety of being you know caught the people Absolutely. in the trench coat coming along and being like we caught you we're taking you away all oh, everything and they're just experiencing the exact same thing <laughs> That's all it is. They just need to be in on this conversation too. That's all. And that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be part of this conversation to let everybody know, like, Hey, everyone has this. We, we do this with our little guy where we constantly will tell him we don't know everything. So we don't know the answer, but let's Google it. Let's look it up. Let's find out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's made his questions so much more complicated, (laughs) (laughs) but what about, and then what about, (laughs) oh my God, it's just some of the stuff that he. Uh, what was it the other day? Uh, Jen had her appendix removed. Oh, so God. then he he asked, he's like, so why did mommy have her procedure laparoscopic instead of an incision? I went, oh, my God. <laughs> it's 530 <laughs> in the morning right now. <laughs> God bless him for thinking that you would know that, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I, oh, I don't know, buddy. We, we gotta, can we wait three hours before we look it up? Uh, and it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these voices pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got these voices that they try to hide. Oh, 